Welcome to People Everyday Podcast. My name is uh, John Masharia and uh, this podcast will be just um, me talking to people, normal people, people who go, uh, who are going by their day every day uh, with their struggle. My belief is um, every person you meet, every person you see, every person you interact with has a story to tell and the idea of the podcast is to provide a platform for everyone out there to just share about themselves. And today in my first <laughs> podcast or episode I have an amazing person uh, I wish I would add adjectives more adjectives could describe but no Karibu um, <clears throat> sana uh, Well my name is Priska Atemi and I think to the adjectives I'll just say powerful uh, well I seem not to have more adjectives myself <laughs> but yeah my name is Priska Atemi and yes I'm excited to be here today uh, before we dive, it, uh, dive into it, I want to know what do you do and why do you do what you do? Um, currently, I am uh, an operations manager at Shamas Rugby Foundation. And uh, apart from that, I'm also a rugby coach and a rugby player. And I enjoy doing what I'm doing for rugby, playing rugby and coaching rugby. I enjoy doing that because I think it's against the odds of a woman being related to playing rugby and enjoying how and enjoying to do it and uh, for the other operations management i think i'm just a natural leader in the things that i do hence i lead my teams very well <laughs> natural leader um, um everyone is fighting something or everyone is living for something or everyone is living to get something what uh, would you say drives you well, I'd like to say passion, but for me, my biggest drive is uh, what the kind of feedback I have received from all the risks I have taken in my life. So in most of the things I have done in my life, for example, I would use rugby as the best example. When I started playing rugby, the immediate feedback I got was, you won't be able to do it. So for me, my drive comes from the immediate feedback that I get from somebody who does, most of the times does not believe that I'll be able to do it. And I tend to say, let me do this because I know I can prove that I can actually do it. And then the other thing is that most of the times when I start something, I tend to get very good energies when I begin. So I'll always get my drive from the first energy that I got when I started doing something immediately. So two things, uh, you've talked about feedback, and risks what is the biggest risk that you've ever taken well let me think i have taken a couple of risks but the biggest risk i have ever taken is to go against what my parent wanted me to do in in the university and uh, i think he still holds it to my neck to date but in the end i've been able to prove myself with what i have done and what i chose to do and i thrived in what i decided to do so it was a big risk. I wasn't sure if we were going to be at peace over the fact that I didn't end up doing what he expected me to do. But I'm glad I turned out victorious in the end. Feedback. How do you manage to um, turn feedback into something that motivates you every day? Well, normally people say I enjoy feedback or not me, but generally I'm speaking on a general perspective that they enjoy receiving feedback. But in an actual situation, people take feedback in two ways. So for me, yes, there's feedback that I will take positively and, uh, and really invest in it, which is most of the time, most of the feedback, yes. But then there are those 
divisions of feedback that I never really take positively because I never feel like they come from a very positive angle of looking at things. So with such feedback, I always go back and reevaluate it. So there's this thing called design thinking where I really place in all the thoughts on the feedback that I feel does not hold so much weight or is not going to be very effective to me. And I try to build up around it to really see the sense in how I can use it and how it can help me maybe now contribute to any other positive feedback that I had put on the side to utilize later. Considering all that you've said right now, would you consider yourself empowered? Yes, I will actually consider myself empowered, I would say that. Why? Um, hmm, that is a very hard question, actually. I don't think anyone has ever asked, you, asked me if I'd consider myself empowered. But yes, I'd consider myself empowered because, one, as an African woman, that's one, I am able to stand up and, and say what I believe, share my views on things, and be open about my opinions, do things that are mainly related to men, and uh, I don't take shame in it, stand up in front of the greatest of the greatest people that I've gotten a chance to meet, and uh, be free about my opinion and what I feel about things and uh, different things. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where uh, you get um, instant feedback or instant uh, conflict with people for being who you are? Yes, I actually get that a lot. That has all, has been a challenge for me being in the things that I do where I, I get a lot of conflict because of the, the, the different opinions I have towards things or how I do things or maybe most of the times I always tell when I meet people for the first time and I feel like maybe I'm intimidating them to avoid, to avoid any arising conflict, most of the times I openly say I may come out too strong but don't take it as if I am being, I'm trying to intimidate you or downplay you in any situation, <laughs> but take it as I am just who I am and I'm not trying to be judgy or I'm not trying to, to show that I'm better than you in any situation because I tend to get that a lot. Now that you work with especially young children and young, young girls, um, what would you say is required to call a young girl or a young boy empowered? Or how would you be empowering a young girl considering you're considering yourself an empowered person? Being an empowered person, and when I am dealing with children, and young children for that fact, between, let's say, teenagers and maybe eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, and ten-year-olds, I would empower them. One, empowering a child comes with a lot of positivity. And uh, putting myself in a place of a child, yes, there's a lot of positivity maybe that I got when I was young, but there are bits of negativity that are affect affected part of my age when I was really young. There's some feedback maybe somebody would give you that probably they think you wouldn't take it because you're a child, but it tends to come back to you eventually when you start growing up. So anytime you're empowering children, keep it positive and uh, remind them that they're not limited to anything. You can't block a child into just being this one thing. A child is somebody who's growing and uh, their, their minds are opening up to many different things. So they're finding themselves. So you can't say you can just take this one line. So to me, when you're empowering young people and you're empowering youths, give them options. Tell them that they're able to, to thrive in whatever it is they try. And in situations where there is no options? I think there's no situations where there's no options because even if you choose one thing, there'll always be a point where you'll have to make an option. You'll have to make a decision between two things. So in that situation where you have to make two things, they ha you have to allow them not to be one-lined. They can't be just one thought and 
this is where I'm looking at. I can only do this. I can only do this. I think the other day I was having a discussion about young children who are playing sports and they're doing well in sports. But then the whole culture around them only believing that the sport is the only thing that will actually help them and not thrive in also something else is a limiting factor. So when you're empowering young sports people, for example, from the discussion it came out that when you're empowering young sports people, allow them to also remember that they have education that they need to thrive in. They still have other life skills and other external relationships that they need to thrive in to make them this whole people. So you cannot limit... Generally, I don't think there's always one option. I know that you've mentioned uh, about something to do with positive and negative uh, empowerment. What would you consider is uh, negative empowerment? Well, negative empowerment is actually what you said just before when you're saying that there's only one option. That to me would be negative empowerment because positive empowerment comes with telling you that there's options. Even with one thing, it involves one, two, three other people, so you need to build relationships. You need to do this, you need to do that. So positive empowerment to me is the one that gives you options and even tells you even if there is this one thing you need to do, there's still a lot that comes into play for that one thing that you need to do. Negative empowerment for me is when you say it is one option, so it is just this one direction. It kind of creates a very fixed mindset and does not allow a very wholesome and a growth mindset. As someone who is involved in uh, working and empowering and being a leader in an organization that is entrusted, that parents have entrusted children with, uh, what is your one rule that uh, drives your work and how, do you, how would you advise someone or anyone who intends to do the same kind of work? One, when you're working with children, it is a rule that one, a child has to be protected. A child has to feel safe. A child has to feel that they have backup and support. So anytime you're working with children, they need to know that you have their back, you have their support, they can run to you, and you can always be there to really hold their hand when things are going south, west, or when they're having so many questions in their mind. So anytime you're looking at working with a children's organization or you're going to find yourself in a field where you're dealing with children, you have to remember a child is somebody that needs, that needs to be supported, that needs to feel safe, that needs to be given an environment where they can express themselves and to think more, their thoughts are valued and their opinions on things also matter. Their feelings on things also matter. A child has to get angry, they have to be happy, they have to be sad. You have to allow them to express emotions and be human. Um, I think in, in, in short, you're saying um, children have an opinion and they need to be respected. Any final thoughts as we finish? Totally. I totally uh, support what you just said. Yes, children have an opinion. It has to be respected. And uh, that is when you know, when a child is young, they're building character. And uh, what you invest in them when they're young is what they'll turn out to be. So my final views on this, generally to the people who are intending to work with children, is one, when you're working with children, let their protection be the first thing in your mind. Let your support always be there and take their opinions as seriously as you take opinions from grown people, from people who are educated, from people who have a lot of life experience. A child has their own life experience that you may not know about, you're not in their place, so allow them to share their opinions and give their views on things the same way you'd give a chance to somebody else. There you have it. Thank you very much, uh, Priska, for embracing this um, trial and error podcast. <laughs>
I hope to see you more often and have this conversation. Asante sana. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. My name is John Masharia. Asante sana.